a quick summary to uh, in the form of a in the form of a message. The, pr prior to me going, there were two things that the Lord the Llord spoke very clearly to me. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't some it wasn't a trip that I was wanting to go to. And so when Alan first asked me, I said no. Second time, I think maybe the third time, and so I said, okay, I'm going to put a fleece. And the fleece was total provision. And and you know, I mean, it's not it's not very cheap to 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 go to Israel for two weeks and all of that. But I really want to thank God that uh, that that the Lord came through in 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 a more than enough fashion. So, so that was good. But two things the Lord said was this, that one is go as Abraham did, meaning he left the earth of the Chaldees, right? Not knowing where he was going. And so it was, to me, it was about trust and obedience. So I just had to trust God, I just had to obey. Uh, whether, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I, I want to know more, I want to know a little bit more before going, but it was all about trust and obedience. And the second was, uh, I, I'm sending you in as a spy. So those two things, you know, one was, one was as Abraham did, and the other was Joshua and Caleb going in as spies. So as, as, as spy, then it was the basis of observe and learn. You're to observe and you're to learn. You're to observe and you're to learn. And, and there, were, there were quite a few of divine encounters that, that happened in terms of the aspect of trusting. Because there were about four, sort of four and a half days that I was on my, I was on my own in a sense. And uh, so I traveled like a, like a local, like, like a local, like an Israelite, like a Jew. And, uh, you know, uh, I'd, I'd either get them speaking to me in Hebrew or in Arabic. And uh, the only Arabic I knew what was Assalamu Alaikum. And so, so they would wish me back in that and... Uh, you know, the only Hebrew I knew was what Muscle Tov or Leila Tov or you know, if I were a rich man, you know that that was my that was the most of my Hebrew that I that I that I knew. But and I'll give you one one encounter. What what happened was I I had to go to, a, to up north to a place called Haifa, and this was after the trip. And largely because when we went to meet uh, this brigadier general, uh, a retired one-star one general, who shared with us about just the amazing program that Israel, Israel has. He was a fighter, fighter pilot. And, and, and so he began to share about some of the programs. And there was one in particular that they said, which was they have this thing, this innovative educational program called Makerspace. And as soon as he said that, my heart began to leap with excitement because for months we've been discussing about this whole makerspace educational uh, innovative approach that we want to start as the Lord had spoken to us uh, prophetically. And so we felt, okay, this is what it is that we would like to, we would like to uh, begin this. And to now come across this this program that they are actually doing. And so I asked him after that, I said, you know, would I be able to visit that? And he said, yep, you can. And the long and the short of it was this. He said that he will arrange for someone to meet me there. So, so I get on a tram. Now, I hate public transport. I don't even like taking it here. But I had to take it over there. So I get on a tram. 
And I'm asking people and I can't really understand and, and all of that. And anyway, I get on a tram, then I, the tram takes me to the central bus station and I take a, take a, a bus direct to Haifa. Uh, that's about two hours. And then I get on a taxi to go to a place called Kafar Galim, which is this huge school and where they have this makerspace program. It's an amazingly innovative program. And as I got there in the taxi, the guy asked me for, my, for the mobile number of the person that I'm supposed to meet because it's all gated. You know, the security is huge in, in Israel, right? Uh, and so I give him my phone. He looks at the number. He mentions to the guard the number the guard calls him and all of that. And then I take out the shekels that I need to pay. I pay him and he doesn't give me back my phone. <laughs> right? So this phone, he doesn't give me back this phone. And... And I just get out of the, because I'm so excited, and I just get out of the taxi. And as I get onto the, to, to the guardhouse, I'm suddenly checking my jacket and all of that. I say, oh, my phone, my phone's not with me. And the phone's with that guy, and he drives off. And so I tell the person, I said, my phone. You know, I need my phone, I need my phone, and all of that. And I'm starting to get anxious, and I'm starting to get uh, frustrated. And I'm thinking, why did I come here now? I should have stayed in Jerusalem. Why did I take two hours to come? Lord, why, why did this happen? So I'm going through all of that, right? And then I had my iPad with me, thank God. So, so, so they said, okay, let's try find my phone. And for all, I don't know why, find my phone didn't work, right? So it didn't work. It's taking me back to, my, to, to Jerusalem where I was. In Jer but this guy is in Haifa. So we tried several things and all. And this was, I kid you not. This was like a Mossad operation. You know, you know the Mossad, they are like the FBI or the CIA or the MI6. We actually got to go to and, 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 and actually listen to how they collect intelligence data. That was so exciting to be able to sit there and to listen to them. So, so when, 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 I told, when I told them that, you know, about the phone and all of that, they started to try this and try that. And then they realized, ah, we can, we, we can locate that on our video. We've got this amazing security system and all of that. So they called the person. The person got the security footage and all of that, saw the license number, managed to call uh, the, the, the taxi company, and the driver says, no, I didn't go there. And then they said, but you, but you were playing with this phone. And so they're, they're trying to, and, and I'm apologizing to these, to these people, you know, who are running this makerspace. I said, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm putting you through all this. He says, no, 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 no. Actually, this is, this is adventure for us. <laughs> This is, this is adventurous for us. And here I'm stressing and they're saying it's adventurous for them, right? And, and then she said, you know, security here is, I mean, Israel is big on security, so not to worry. And, and anyway, the guy didn't want to give a call, didn't want to call, didn't, didn't want to pass me, uh, I mean, didn't, didn't want to give me back the phone. Just at that point in time, I felt the Lord say this. And these were the words. I will bring your phone to you at the right time. I will bring your phone to you at the right time. So I thought, so I had to dismiss all of the anxiety 
take my iPad, video, take photos, interact with the kids. There were special needs kids that were there that were using uh, all these uh, high-powered equipment and 3D printing and all of that. So it was, just, it was really amazing. I didn't want to miss out on all of that. So I videoed, and, and then at the end of it, they said, okay, let's go to the police station, let's make a report. So I go up, uh, they explain in Hebrew and all of that, and, and, and then she leaves. She, she had, she, my, my host had to leave. So I was there alone with the police officer. And, and then as I was sharing and discussing and explaining what had happened, and after the report, and then I had to sign a report, and I didn't know even, I couldn't even read anything on the report because it's all in Hebrew. But I just had to sign it and trust that what I'm signing is okay. Right, so I signed it. I'm walking down. As I'm walking downstairs, the policewoman is on the phone, and she's stopping me, and she said, Hang on, hang on, we found your phone. We found your phone. Just at the right time as I'm walking down, we found your phone. Your phone is now in the guard, in the guard house. Now, if I was two minutes, if I'd left two minutes later, right? If I had gone, no, sorry, two minutes earlier. If I had gone two minutes earlier, I would have missed it. And as soon as I, as, as soon as she said that, the Lord reminded me again, didn't I tell you that at the right time, I will bring your phone to you. I will bring the phone to you. And so I got into a taxi, went there, managed to grab my phone, my phone was there, and every, all of, because there, there was so much of confidential data that was in my phone and I really couldn't afford to lose it. But that was a huge lesson for me. You know, to learn that in the midst of what God calls you to do, whatever that you may lose, the Lord will reclaim that back as long as you walk in the basis of trust and obedience. So if you, if, you know, we all have a mission in life, right? And through that mission in life, there are things that we can, we can, we can lose. And there are things that, there are mistakes that we make and sometimes we, we focus on those mistakes and we end up not focusing on the mission that God calls us to. And so we forget all of that. And so it was a huge lesson. So, so that was just one of those divine opportunities and, the, and those divine moments of really walking in explicit trust. In a place where, you know, you think, oh, I, I don't know anyone in a sense, and what am I gonna do? But I know the creator of the universe. I know the God who created these people and he's the one who sent me there so he's the one who would fight for me, right? So if he has given you a mission, he will fight for you. Now, I wanna share just a couple of passages of scripture in the next few minutes and I wanna somewhat couch this that I've just shared in, in, in about three to four passages of, of scripture here. One is what I would term as, 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 as what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Um, um, Alan alluded to it earlier. And, and in, in Genesis chapter 12, it says this, verse one. Um, I think it's all on the screen. Verse one to three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make 
and, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So imagine that. This is your covenant. This is your promise as much as it is as it was Abraham's that was given to him. We have inherited that. So through us, the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Imagine, through you, the families are going to be blessed. So when I was told to go, or rather when I felt that the Lord said to go, and that to go as Abraham, I began to think of this passage of scripture. Now, in the message version, it says this, God told Abraham, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and bless you. I will make you, I will make you famous, you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So, and, and this is an explicit aspect here where God is saying, this is what I am going to do, right? So if we bless this nation, we're gonna be blessed. But if we curse this nation, then we're going to reap a curse over ourselves, right? Sometimes, sometimes there are things that we don't even quite understand why, but out of obedience here, I started off saying this, that there is an, there, there is an element in, in our walk with God that I believe is far more important than anything else. And Abraham portrayed that. It is obedience and trust. No matter what, God took him through several different, uh, several different circumstances. And if you did emotionally healthy spirituality, you know one of the chapters was to journey through the wall. And the very last thing that Abraham had to do was to sacrifice his son. The very son that the promise was going to come through. But you know what Abraham said? He told, he told the servants, we will go sacrifice and we will come back. So he was so assured that God was going to provide that ram on that mountain. He was so sure. Now, theologically, Genesis chapter 12 is one of the key Old Testament passages for it contains what I've just said, the Abrahamic covenant. And there's this, there is this thread that goes right through the Old Testament. Right? And in, in, in this chapter, in chapter 12, it, there's a, there's a new, di, new division and, in, and, and, a, and a significantly important covenant that is, made in this, that is made in this chapter. And it is made in relation to a godly man called Abraham. Right? Now, nearly a quarter of the book of Genesis is devoted to this man's life. Over 40 Old Testament references are made to Abraham. Now, it is of interest to also note that Islam holds Abraham, Abram second in importance to Muhammad. With the Quran referring to Abraham 188 times. The New Testament in no way diminishes this, this, this significance as well. 75 references of Abraham is mentioned in the New Testament. So the, the reason I'm saying that is the significance of this covenant. You know, if, if we don't, I was going to ask my, 
my, my daughter and CJ to demonstrate something. And I'll just explain this to you in the form of uh, ability. Now, you see CJ playing the violin. Her ability is like, you know, there's no match to what she can do. You throw anything to her and she will just do that, right? Now, actually, Leon, can you maybe just go up and just do something that is totally out of the ordinary? Yes. <laughs> since, since you had your assessment recently now, just uh, yes. play, play a couple of roles or something that, you know? May, may, yeah, maybe since Olivia is not here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use him. And... Uh, Maybe I should ask you to go first. <laughs> okay, go ahead and play something. I know he's being put on the spot, so. There was a time where that was not a possibility at all. <laughs> there was a time where he could not play that at all. S sorry? Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay, thanks, thanks, Leon. But there was a time, and, and you know, he's entered into a space that he never would have thought possible. This space was not a reality to him but it is a reality to him now. So what does it take to enter into that space? Practice. Believing in the fact that there is a gift, that there is a deposit that God has placed. Working hard on that. Now, this covenant was given to the Israelites. This covenant is given to you and I, but they would not ever know that there is such a place for them to enter into if firstly, they don't believe in it. Number two, they don't work on what they believe in. Because you know, if there is something about visiting Israel that you will come to realize. Um... Hold on. Let, let, probably let me read this passage of scripture and, and you might potentially understand. In Isaiah, in, in Amos chapter, I think you've got to fast track this. In Amos chapter 9 verse 14 to 15. I want to read all these passages of, of, of scripture. Can you... 
Take me to Amos chapter 9, verse 14 to 15. And it says here, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land. They shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord. Now, when this was written, do you think they would have realized this, was, this would ever happen at all? Now we look back and when you go and when you visit that nation, you begin to realize this, that firstly, Israel is a third of the size of Tasmania. That's the size of Israel, right? 2,000 years, they have not been a nation. The language was not spoken probably just by the rabbis. Then the promise of the Lord comes in this form in Amos that was spoken in the Old Testament. And now we begin to see that this is actually happening. The next verse in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, and this is profound as well. Who has ever seen anything as strange as this? Who ever heard of such a thing? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? In 1948. Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's birth pains begin, her children will be born. Do you think it was easy for the nation to be formed? Just like a child that is to be birthed, there is this nine month. And then comes that pushing and that pushing and that pushing. So God takes them through all of this pain and then comes a time where the pushing begins to happen, the pushing begins to happen, people sacrifice. And a nation is birthed. Jeremiah 30 verse 3, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will bring my people Israel and Judah back from captivity and restore them to the land I gave their ancestors to possess. The ancestors as of Abraham. So a covenant that was made. And then imagine for 2,000 years, that is forgotten. How many of us here have received a promise and we go through a trial and then we begin to realize maybe for three months, maybe for one year, it hasn't come to pass. And we begin to doubt God and we begin to think, God, maybe you don't love me enough. One year. Lose an iPhone for a few hours and you think, God, why did you send me to this place? <laughs> 2,000 years. 2,000 years, folks. A promise given. Many died not realizing that would have ever happened. But today, we get to see that. Right? So do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, says the Lord. For I will bring you home again from distant lands and your children will return from their exile. That's the promise that God gives. That his children will, re will return from their exile. Next slide. This is what the Lord says, when I bring Israel home again from captivity and restore their fortunes, Jerusalem will be rebuilt 
on its ruins. You know, this city is built upon other ruins. So when you dig it up, you find that there are other cities underneath. The Egyptians tried to conquer them. The Babylonians tried to conquer them. They live around five different nations that are wanting to annihilate them. Every day. Every day they wake up. They wonder what's going to happen. Every day. They live on that cusp of wondering now what terror is going to attack. Two days we left. I left on the 10th. On the 12th of November, 500 over rockets were fired from Hamas, from the West Bank, right into Israel, into places like Beri, where we went, which was just four kilometers away from Hamas territory. Do you know how difficult it is? Or oh, it was. It is. To even read the text. Because we were there. Do you know, I couldn't even say, thank God that I'm safe. I couldn't say that. And I still can't say that. Because for me to say that is to deny someone who's already, who's probably been killed. You know, the Arab bus driver of that bus said this. God loves the Israelites because he caused 50 soldiers to alight before the rocket hit the bus. You know, it's, 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 it's a difficult thing to try and, and really understand because they are also a people who still, there are many who are yet to believe in the Messiah. And yet you find in 70 years, a nation has come together from nothing and has rebuilt that place. You know, when God in, actually in Numbers 13, when, when the Lord sends the spies to go in, to check the land, do you know what they did? When they saw this cluster of grapes, they, they, they cut this cluster of grapes and the word of the Lord says this, that they put the cluster of grapes, I, I think you can see that on one of my uh, slides. Just go to that slide. Uh, Jeremiah, chap no, Numbers chapter 13, right? And on the cluster of grapes, it says, put the cluster of grapes on a pole that two people can carry. So, the next slide, probably, you'll see that. Look at that. So imagine you're going into that land. They see this, and they, they take a cluster of grapes, and they put it on a, on a pole for two people to carry. So imagine that land. Now, you go to that place, you would think that when the word of the Lord says that it's a land flowing with milk and honey, it is lush and it is all of that. So for those of you who visited Israel, you would know that it is not as lush as you and I think it is. It is arid. 
But yet, because the word of the Lord has promised that this is a land that is flowing with milk and honey, that they are able to cultivate that land and to draw out of that land the goodness. Now, you know, I'm going to read into this to some extent, right? I don't know whether the land in itself is agriculturally phenomenal or, is that, or that it is rich. All I know is this. When the Lord makes a promise, whatever that may seem to be uninhabitable or may seem useless will be of great use because God has spoken over that. So friends, what has God spoken over your life? Do you feel like as if you're in, you're, you're, you're a desert that it's arid, it's, there's nothing much that is happening within you. And today the Lord wants to remind you, I have made a covenant. And the covenant says that you will be blessed. And the covenant says that you will be fruitful. So why begin to accept the fact that you are not? Or why begin to feel? Or why begin to diminish yourself? Because of circumstances that you and I go through. So let's begin to align ourselves. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bring this to a close. I don't wanna uh, take any longer here. And I wanna potentially end with this verse from Ephesians chapter one, verse 11 through 12. And to conclude with this, with, with this verse, with this promise, that Paul talks about, he talks about an inheritance. Now, our inheritance is based on a covenant that's been made. Because there's a covenant that's been made, we have this inheritance. And here Paul talks about that. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ. Now, Christ, Jesus came out of that lineage. So, firstly, Abraham had to leave the earth of the Chaldees. If Abraham didn't leave, we wouldn't have that covenant. Who would Jesus come through? If Abraham didn't take Isaac up to sacrifice, the word of the Lord that, because from Mount Moriah, as you look ahead, that was where Jesus was going to be sacrificed. So it was a shadow. Isaac was a shadow of what was to come. Hence, what Alan said earlier about the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. So you find that aspects within the Old Testament, is, it is revealed in the certainty of the New Testament as we read that. So God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust Christ would bring praise and glory to God. So we've got to believe that the Lord's going to bring the Jewish people to a place where they would believe in the Messiah. And the last verse here, all praise to God in 1 Peter, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance and inheritance and all. And please hear this an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. So why do you think Jesus then teaches his disciples, pray 
like this. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because your inheritance is there. And when you begin to call upon what is in heaven down to earth, that inheritance that is undecayed will come into your midst, will come into our presence. So, if it doesn't happen, it's only because we don't believe enough. It's because we don't trust the Lord. It's because we don't, we, 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 we have doubted this aspect. But today the Lord wants to remind us that if, if a covenant has been made, that means the certainty and we, we partook of communion today again to remind us of the new covenant that, that Jesus has made, that we have this, this inheritance. Hallelujah. Let me end with this, with this story here. I shared this with the staff on, on Tuesday. There's a story of an, of, of an, old, of an, of an old woman that cared for this, this wealthy man. And in his dying moments, he gave her an envelope. And what this lady did was because she really, she really loved this man you know, and, and really cared for him that she didn't want to open the envelope and she kept it off. She thought, no, I better keep this carefully. I don't want to lose this. So she puts it in a picture frame and hangs it in her house. And because now there was no finance for her, she began to live in, in, in this home where there was no heating and all of that. And so over a period of time, her health began to deteriorate. And she finally died. And so when, when, when the people came to, to collect her body and when they began to go through the house, they came across this frame. And, and when they looked at the back of this frame, there was this envelope. And when they opened the envelope, they found the title deed to the man's estate. And it was worth millions and millions of dollars. So whilst the lady was alive, she inherited millions of dollars. She was wealthy enough to live in a home where there was heating and she could have lived a much longer life. But she died a premature death because she didn't believe, she didn't accept the inheritance that was given to her. So many of us go, will go through life on the basis of us not knowing what our inheritance is and foregoing that. The word of the Lord shouldn't be put in a picture frame and hung somewhere. Amen. That when a promise, a prophetic word given to you shouldn't be put on a picture frame and hung somewhere. But it is for you and I to begin to embrace that, to live that out. You know, we gotta live that out. We gotta begin to live that out. There were... You know... When you look at passages of scriptures like this and you go to a nation, as I said, in 70 years, amazing infrastructure. Their, their cybersecurity is second to none in the world. 
right? Israel's. But when you visit the kibbutz, when you visit almost any of the places that we visited and the people that we met that, 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 that explained to us about what happens there, you know, we went to the Negev, the Ahava, where if, if you've seen my Facebook uh, photos, you would realize that there is an eggplant that is as big as my face, or maybe even bigger. That's how big it is, right? And it's just, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal what they're able to grow in an environment, in an environment like that. And this is a nation that not just, that, that doesn't only survive, they actually thrive. They thrive because they believe in a covenant. So against, against all odds, they begin to thrive. Friends, what are you facing that you think is more difficult than a nation, than a people that have been, that, 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 that over, over thousands of years, people have tried to annihilate this nation. They've tried to destroy them. What do you think is more difficult than that? And as you think of that now, begin to ask yourself, don't you think God cares for you as much as that? And that he wants to act on your behalf and bring you to a place of, of fulfillment, a promise of fulfillment. Amen. Amen. 